Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Heather Gallagher. She is both a family photojournalist, she's working on coining that term, and also a full spectrum doula. She has witnessed birth and death in almost every transition in between as a photojournalist over 15 years. We are so thrilled to hear her story and also explore her work. Hello, Heather. Welcome to the show. Hi, ladies. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I know I've been a huge fan of your work forever. Um, <laughs> but um, can you start by telling a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's see. Um, as y'all just said, I am a full spectrum doula and full spectrum photographer. I'm trying to coin the term full spectrum photographer. By that, I mean um, that I document and support individuals and families um, in all stages of life. So through birth, from birth through death. Um, and I also like to make clear that it's not just um, birthing people and it's not just people with children, it's all people. Um, but I will say that the majority of my clientele do, does happen to be um, birthing people and people with young children. Um, but anyways, so my family, um, do you want to know more about the family that I came from or the family that I created? <laughs> you could do both. <laughs> Uh, so the long and short of it is um, I was born and raised in Maryland, just outside of the Washington, D.C. area um, in PG County. And um, I, my mom is a deaf Chinese immigrant. She immigrated over from um, ultimately Taiwan. She was born in China, uh, but then was raised from age four on in Taiwan. Uh, she was born hearing, but then uh, contracted tuberculosis around the age of three um, and became what is known as profoundly deaf. And so um, and she was also born into an entirely hearing family. Um, and also as the only girl, she has four siblings, all brothers. Um, she did not have the odds in her favor mm -hmm. um, in a lot of ways. So 40s in China, um, very specific culture, only girl, um, only deaf person. And so because of all of that, she didn't um, learn sign language. She didn't actually go to any school until she was about 12 years old. Um, and then she didn't learn sign language until she went to school, which ultimately her parents sent her to a center away to a deaf boarding school. Um, and at that point, they were living in Taipei, Taiwan. All of that informs so much of who I am because yeah. uh, I was raised by her and my dad, who was a hearing white American. Um, in Maryland, like I said before, um, and I was raised in a predominantly deaf neighborhood for the first full, the first about four or five years of my life, um, and then um, I moved just a couple miles away into a predominantly black neighborhood um, that was that I was hearing. So we were the only deaf and non-black family in yeah. the neighborhood we grew up in, um, or the only non-hearing and um, and non-black family in the neighborhood I grew up in. Um, and so I feel like I, uh, all of that life experience informs my work, which yeah. I like to, um, consider my work to be extremely inclusive, um, extremely empathetic, um, and, um, extremely intimate, yeah. um, whether it's photography or doula work. And, 
Um, so then the family that I ultimately created, uh, I have been married to my husband for just over 10 years now. Yay! And, yay! <laughs> uh, two months ago. That's wow, congrats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and... Um, we met in New York City, where I was going to school at the time at Pratt in Brooklyn, a small art school, and um, we moved to Austin shortly after getting married in 2007, oh, 2009, pardon, and um, uh, we ha now have a five-and-a-half-year-old boy, Levon, um, who just started kindergarten earlier this year, I know, which is wild, <laughs> um, and yeah, we are just living life in Austin, Texas, and just taking it one day at a time. I'm practicing my business. He owns his own business. We have one child. Things are crazy, but I, all I know is crazy. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel like most of us, all we know yes, is crazy. Exactly. Right. Um. <laughs> embrace, embrace whatever comes to you every day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Which is why I was 15 minutes late for this interview. <laughs> I mean, listen, times are only there as suggestions. It's <laughs> a guideline, right, exactly. <laughs> um, before we get into, you know, talking a little bit about your pregnancy, I am curious, have you spoken with your mother about your birth and what yeah, that was like for her? Actually. Yeah, and it's more so been in recent years. I mean, um, because of both, I think culturally just her um being very culturally chinese um where it's like you don't you don't really share too much of yourself personally mm -hmm. um you don't you know you don't complain um and and so i the reason i bring that up is because she ultimately did have um birds that she um i'm trying to think of the words that she might use you know, maybe not traumatic, but didn't go the way she had hoped mm -hmm. for both my brother and I. And then she did yeah. have a miscarriage in between my brother and I. Um, she ultimately had two C-sections with both him and I. Um, and because of the language and cultural barriers and the fact that she had only been in the States for, I think about only two years when she had my brother, two or three years, um, her and my father were together, but um, because of the language and every and barriers and everything, my dad was actually learning sign language, uh, American sign language with her. And so his fluency wasn't there. Yeah. He doesn't know, uh, Chinese, how to write Chinese. She doesn't know how to read or write English. So there was a lot of barriers yeah. on there. She delivered in a, um, an American hospital, obviously in DC. Um, and so she didn't have any support, um, for whatever reason, no, inter no formal, like professional interpreters were yeah. brought in. Um, for either Chinese or sign language. And so she was really just at the the mercy of um, the, the hospital staff. Yeah. And her father, who, um, you know, obviously, like, he had her best interests in heart. He just wanted to make sure that everybody came out of the, the situation alive. Right. Um, and I say alive specifically because my father's mother died while birthing him. Wow. Um, and so he has a lot of trauma and fear around birth. <laughs> right, right. right. Um, and so um, he, you know, he wasn't concerned that a C-section was less than ideal. He was concerned that like, hey, my wife and my children make it out alive. Right. Um, and ultimately, that's what everybody wants, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but for my mother, she had expressed to me later on when I started really getting interested in birth and, um, you know, becoming, identifying as a feminist and identifying as, you know, not just a birth worker, but just someone who was really interested in 
um, and people's rights and like how we can use them and how could they can be abused and just kind of like coming of age and everything. Um, so I say it's partially because of, I think her culture, but also of who she is. She's a very quiet person and she's a very, um, kind of stoic person. And like, she doesn't share unless you ask. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was in re more recent years when I was really kind of like asking her like, Hey, how, how do you feel about, you know, me and my brother's birds. And she's like, what do you mean? How do I feel? Like, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> why does that matter? And I'm like, Oh, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just curious. Yeah. Like, how, how did you feel about how it went? Like, did you, do you feel like, you know, it was a positive experience or negative? And, um, after kind of sussing out why she's like, why are we talking about this? Like, what does it matter? You know? <laughs> yep. um, she was like, yes. you know, she was like, if I were to really think about it, she's like, no, it sucked. Like, it's not what I wanted at all. Yeah. Um, she's like, I had a bunch of, you know, white men telling me what to do and telling me what I couldn't do. Um, and, and so a lot of those things were like, she, I can't remember, uh, I was meant to be born on Christmas. Like that was my duty date of my birthday is December 16th. So I'm nine days early. And I think she was measuring large. She's a petite woman in general. Um, and I was like a not almost a 10 pound baby. Okay. So like, yes, I was big. <laughs> and my brother was big too. But she was told like, you have to be induced and you have to have C-sections. Like yeah. there are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I was like, well, did you ask to have a natural liver? And she was like, like, A, I didn't even know it was an option to ask. And she was like, and B, like, if I had asked, like, she was like, nobody would have understood what I was saying, you know? Yeah. And she was like, and your father was like, just in this like, kind of tailspin of just like, oh my God, the doctors are saying we need surgery. So you just do what the doctor says, because that's the chain of command. Right. And she was like, so I had no, nobody on my side. Like, and I think at the time she like, you know, if she were to put herself back there in that time, 30 some years ago, um, I don't think she felt like it was necessarily bad, but like all having all this time to reflect on it later, she's like, yeah, nobody asked me what I, like what I wanted. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and she was like, yeah. And I was just put under, like put under, I can't remember exactly what, but she was like, yeah, I just, I, I woke up and you guys were in my arms. And I was like, wow. oh, wow. Okay. You know? Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, and so for me, like I felt really affected by that. And that also kind of personally for me kind of helped put a lot of puzzle pieces together, mm. you know, in terms yeah. of like, you know, I, I personally never really felt a super strong maternal like connection with my mother. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like it was very, uh, and I'm not necessarily saying it's because of the birth or all because right, of, the right. birth, but it is interesting to me where it's like, you know, she's more of this, like, you don't ask questions, you just do what you're told. Yeah. And that's also like kind of how, that's how I grew up. And so it's like, um, you know, I, I, when I meet other people who are like really close with their mothers and all that, I'm just like, what's that like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just very, like, it's very interesting to me and I can objectively be like, oh, that looks awesome. But like, I have no idea what that's like. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, we have a very different relationship. I was always taken care of, but it was in a very, very like, you know, here are your meals, here yeah. are your clothes, blah, right. blah, blah, you know what I mean? And so right. it's just very, like orderly. And so I do think it's interesting that I have taken more of a squishy approach to, bro to birth <laughs> <laughs> like, and all of that in like, you know, maybe it's a direct reaction to everything. Mm -hmm. Um, 
like don't get me wrong my mom's a great person yeah yeah you know she is who she is um and I think that like as a strong reaction to that I um went into my birth wanting as many options and choices and like have as much control pardon me control as possible um and of course all that went out the window because as I talk about my birth story you'll see that like basically nothing went according to plan (laughs) but like I did have my voice literally and figuratively to like really talk about what I wanted and um and so all ultimately like yes while my birth didn't go according to plan like I I feel great about what like how you know looking back now I feel great and I feel like in the moment I had a really supportive team around me yeah right Yeah. yeah So can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy then? Sure, yeah. Um, it was pretty, I mean, like, it was pretty smooth. You know, I had the the more typical first trimester super nausea um, and all of that. But um, I was very fortunate in that I had a very healthy, very, um, you know, just a very healthy pregnancy, not really much to report about. Um, and... But I will say, like, I <laughs> I thought I was going to be pregnant forever, which I'm sure a lot of people do. My son was two and a half weeks over. Um, and Ooh, Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I was like, oh, cool. Quit the um, club. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you too? Yeah. Wow. Yep. <laughs> I mean, so my original plan was to have a home birth. Um, and so I had a home birth midwife. And, like, she she was not concerned at all which was like really comforting but uh, there was a point where i was like seriously you're not concerned at all like <laughs> at all like, at all? like this could just keep going forever and she was right. like well it's just not going to go on forever so that's why i'm not concerned and i was like all right um, and she was like don't worry the full moon's coming and i was like i'm sorry what <laughs> are you crazy have i right. given money to a crazy person but then sure enough under the full moon, like I took a walk and I was almost, you know, 40, what, two, three, four, almost 45 weeks pregnant. And I was so over it. And I'm just like cursing the moon at like two in the morning (laughs) while I'm walking underneath it. And as soon as I get home, my water broke. And I was just like, okay, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) I totally believe. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, it was, basically uh, a precipitous birth where I think in total I labored um I want to say four or five hours and it just was like really 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 fast contractions came on right away and um long story short uh his uh, as I was pushing I could he was crowning my son was crowning and um, I could feel his hair and ever, his head and everything while I'm pushing. And then the midwife suddenly was, and I thought we were doing great. Um, I'm on the bed, I'm pulling the rope and everything. Um, I have my husband and like a whole team of doulas and midwives with me. Um, and uh, all of a sudden my midwife was like, we need to go to the hospital right now. And I was like, why? Oh my God, like what's wrong? I thought I was doing so great. Um, and actually at the time, like I, I did a interview with, um, the birth hour, another birth podcast a couple months ago, earlier this year and in preparing for that podcast, I realized I actually didn't know why we had to transfer to the hospital. Wow. And I think that like, I never asked, I mean, my son's basically almost six now (laughs) and I never asked because like I was in the moment 
I was afraid. And also in the moment I was like, what's the point? Like, I don't want to belabor this any, any longer. I was like, if she says go, I trust her implicitly, let's go. And it wasn't in a situation where I felt like she was like, oh, let's get over. Like, I need to go somewhere. She was like, no, 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 this is an emergency. She made it very clear in her tone and everything. Um, but I was curious about myself and like how I had all these years after where now we're on the other side of it and he's healthy and everybody's good. Um, like I didn't act. And so I found myself just calling her one day earlier this year and I like burst into tears and and she was like, oh my God, what's up? And I was like, hey, can you tell me why we had to go to the hospital like six years ago? (laughs) She was like, okay. And she was like, let me pull up my notes. Um, But yeah, she was like, yeah, his heart tones were dropping and they weren't recovering as quickly as she would have liked. Um, and she uh, couldn't physically manipulate his head. Like he, his head was basically stuck behind my pelvis mm-hmm. and she could not manipulate him enough where she felt comfortable with the timing of it all with his heart tones not recovering. Um, so she made the call. We went to the hospital and, um, within like 20 minutes of being at the hospital, he was born on the gurney in the ER via forceps. Um, and I had an amazing ER, like an emergency room, um, uh, doctor who, got right in my face and was like, okay, we're going to try forceps once. And if it doesn't work the first time, she was like, we're going in for a C-section. And I was just like, okay, you got it. Like, okay, because what else am I going to do? Everybody is feeling really serious about this. And so luckily he was born with that first time with forceps. um, And there was minimal aftermath. I mean, he had a couple months of craniosacral because his jaw was slightly misaligned Mm -hmm. after the fact, but which resulted in a lot of... um, uh, what am I trying to say? Vomiting with like, uh, breastfeeding and everything just because Mm -hmm. he was a bit misaligned. Um, but ultimately he was fine. I had no tearing, like it was great. Um, I had a really amazing team that just knew what to do. Um, yeah. And and, like they made the call when they had to make the call, but they let me, um, write out my plan as much as was reasonable. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't to humor me. It was because it was like, okay, this is a possible, Possibility, and then right. when it was no longer a possibility, they made the professional call. Right, um, and it felt really good. Yeah, yeah. So I have like a couple things I'm thinking about. Um, you know, going back a little bit to your pregnancy, like what were some things that you did to prep for the birth, or that you, like helped kind of create, like you think about what you wanted your birth to look like. Sure. Yeah. Um, I really wanted an unmedicated birth, uh, mm-hmm. which I did ultimately have, even though I do vaguely <laughs> remember being like, actually, I was just kidding. Give me the past the point. Okay. With baby crowning. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. They're like, he's basically here. Sorry. Um, and so let's see, I did do a birthing from within class. Okay. Um, and I, um, Austin's a really great town in that it is just super saturated with birth workers. Pardon me. And I just, um, I was on that, ed- like I was, so let's see, I got pregnant about a year and a half into living in Austin. Okay. And so in moving to Austin, I was trying to figure out how to, um, really transitioned my business over here, which at the time was only family photography. The doula, the doula component hadn't come in yet. And the, and the birth work component, like I had been, I had shot like one or two births at that point. 
after, when moving here. Um, but I was not like known at all. Like nobody knew who I was. Yeah. Um, in New York, I had, like where I was moving from, I had like started to build up a name for my family photography. But uh, the reason I bring all this up is because even before I got pregnant, like when we, my husband and I first moved here, um, I was like, okay, I need to like, I, I need people to know who I am. And it's like, A, it's really hard to make new friends when you're in like a committed marriage mm -hmm. you know, and you don't have children. And cause mm -hmm. it's like, what are we doing at a playground? We don't have kids. <laughs> like, what are we doing at like, like, yes, him and I can like go out to restaurants and everything together, but like, how do we make friends with other couples without looking like we're trying to hook up with them? You right. know what I mean? <laughs> like, we're just like a monogamous right. <laughs> couple without kids. And so we kept, we were just like, oh, what an interesting situation to be in. And like, my was working with young, with not necessarily young families, but families with young children, mm -hmm. um, photographing them. And I was like, but nobody knows who I am. Um, and so because of that, like I had started just like nannying on the side in Austin and meeting people who had kids, yeah. um, as a way to really get my business name out there and just to like also make friends. Um, then in getting pregnant, I was like, oh, this is great. Cause I already have started like meeting people with children and everything and who like recently or have ever had children yeah. and I started just getting advice from them on like hey how did your birth go and I was learning I was like oh Austin is a super open-minded city mm -hmm. um I mean everything's relative you know right, it's, right. All, it's still in Texas um right. <laughs> <laughs> it's still in America right but, um you know it was just like it was more open-minded than I think I had given it credit for mm -hmm. uh, because it is in Texas and all that stuff and so and I just heard so many you know I I was the first of like my friend group from like back home and everything to have kids. And, and so like, I didn't really know, I just expected births to be like, Oh, they result in C-sections. Cause that's what my mom had. You know what I mean? You yeah. know what, you know what you know. Right. You know, right. You don't know. right. So anyways, all of that is a very like long winded way of saying like, it all happened at this really great time when it was like, I was already in the mindset of like meeting people who were open-minded and um, like family focused and, all in this like new exciting town because we had just moved there and like your mind's more open when you just move somewhere. Um, and then I got pregnant. And so I was just meeting all these new exciting people and getting all this like advice and everything. And so it really resulted in me deciding that I did want to have a home birth. Um, but I was also like, I was okay with the idea of going to a hospital if necessary and ultimately having a C-section if it's necessary. Like I, um, I feel like for me, that was just a really healthy mindset to yeah. be open-minded. Um, but I did want to, you know, see how, see how much I could do at home and ultimately deliver at home if, if it was a possibility. Um, and so yeah, to prepare for that, I did the birthing from within class. Um, and just like, you know, asked as many questions as I could to all these new people I, w I was meeting. And I got really great advice and recommend like local recommendations. And that's how I came to meet my, um, the woman who ended up deliver or not ultimately delivering, but the woman who was our midwife, yeah. um, the full moon lady and, <laughs> um, and her like, you know, apprentice at the time. And, um, I'm still very close with those two women to this day, which is yeah. really like, kind of amazing and I think says a lot because I mean I don't think a lot of people will say like oh yeah I'm still tight with my OBGYN who delivered right. her baby you know what I mean mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yes yes so yeah I don't know if that really answers the question no it does 
It okay, does. cool. Yeah. <laughs> I crowdsourced a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think some people will probably be wondering, and I'm, as doulas, we know that like the phases and stages of labor, but because you had to be transfer and like we're in mid push, can you talk a little bit about what that looked like going from, Hey, you're pushing to like pause. Now we need to transfer you to hospital. Oh yeah. I mean like in the moment it felt so chaotic and mm -hmm. I, you know, she had put the um, oxygen mask on me and I was connected to the tank. And um, <laughs> I think also like my husband was so, like, I, I'm saying all this about like having been open-minded about transferring to a hospital if necessary. But at the same time, I, I think I was a little like, I think I was a little cocky to be honest. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm healthy. Like I, I have a high tolerance for pain because I have tattoos, like whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like stupid stuff you tell yourself where you're like, you know, it's, and now that I'm a doula and like I've photo I've documented so many births now, like I, and my, my consults when they're still like pregnant and like, in the bubble yeah and they're just like oh I, and then like i, I don't want to be pessimistic at all but you just look at them and you just go like oh you know <laughs> don't know what you don't right. know and so, right. like all of that is to say like i didn't pack a hospital bag i didn't type out a birth plan to give the hospital staff if that if that happened which it mm -hmm. did happen um my husband didn't clean out the car um and we didn't make plans for like who's gonna watch our animals and everything at the mm -hmm. house if we have to go to the hospital. And so like, it wasn't just chaotic in the moment of being like told that I had to go to the hospital. It was chaotic from like, I went from being butt naked birthing at home mm -hmm. to all of a sudden like having something pulled out of the dirty laundry put on me, like covered in dog hair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> black maternity dress covered in white dog hair and then thrown in the back of my husband's car, which was like filled, like, I don't know. He, it's like a long fight we have where he looks like he lives in his car. And so, like, I'm just, like, piles of stuff in the back of his car. Um, and, like, with my leg thrown over my midwife's shoulder. Yeah. And she's telling me, like, whatever you do, don't push. And I'm like, mm -hmm. are you kidding me? Right. Like, <laughs> I, I don't think I have a, I don't have any control over this. Yeah. And so, like, as, as emotionally and mentally prepared I thought I was, I was not, I was not actually prepared mm -hmm. um, in so many ways. And like, it's kind of laughable now where I'm just like, oh my God, like I didn't even have a birth bag. Like I didn't, whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's right. it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you, just like you said, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know um, what you don't know. Yeah. Right. So when you think about your postpartum experience then, as it relates to everything that happened with your labor and then coming home, how was that? It was, um, I think considering, you know, how my birth ultimately played out, um, and what I also know about like, um, you know, the, my birth, like when I was born and everything, I think it, like all tracks in the sense that like I had wild postpartum depression and anxiety mm -hmm. um up until probably two years ago so for about four three and a half four years yeah um and I also have like a long history of like you know mental illness in my family and everything and so like it all tracks but I was just so optimistic at the time when I was pregnant, I wasn't thinking about any of that, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't even get a diagnosis of postpartum depression until probably my son was like two and a half. 
Okay. Um, and so I just, I was, I was, I was in it, but I didn't know what it was. I thought that that was just my new normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought like, oh, oh my God, this is what it means to be a mother or a parent. Like everything's a little bit awful, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and Um, and again, like, because of like how I grew up, I was like, well, let me just not complain about it. Let me just put my head down and just do it. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, like whatever's thrown at me, let me just do it and take care of it and like not complain. And because like, who wants to hear that? You know, like nobody told me to have a baby. Nobody like, you know what I mean? Like my choice. Um, and so because of that, I had so much guilt and shame and fear that I was just like, oh my God, I did this to myself. Like, what, what am I doing? You know? Um, and I finally just got to a point where I was like feeling really suicidal and feeling really just out of like, not, I was feeling really out of control. Um, and meanwhile I was breastfeeding a ton. Like I literally just stopped breastfeeding my son. I can say like a hundred percent stopped breastfeeding him like a month ago. Um, so I was breastfeeding for five and a half years. Um, and so like now looking back on it, I'm just like, my hormones were all over the place, you know? And I had an undiagnosed, um, case of postpartum depression and I wasn't on, uh, for me, I found that medication works, but like Mm -hmm. I wasn't on any kind of treatment plan, whether it was medication or talk therapy or anything. Um, and so I was just really in a, in a bad place, but I was just trying to like, just tough it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so did you think that was just motherhood then? I did. Yep. I really, really did. And like, I see my mom who like currently struggles with all kinds of, um, you know, uh, what am I trying to say with, she struggles with mental health and, um, she's undiagnosed. Um, so I can't really speak to exactly what her diagnosis is, but like, you know, she said to me a number of times, like in her own way, um, because, you know, it's coming from sign language and then you, like, yeah. I'm using my own words to interpret what she means, but she's just like, yeah, no, something's not right, you know? Yeah. And like, and I'm like, yeah, no. And like, but she would always just be like, but like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so like, that's what I was operating with. And I was like, yeah. oh, my time has come. Like I'm a mother now. And like, this is just what it means. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. I think for many of us who are in birth work and also may have started this journey because of experiences from friends or hearing like our own mother's experiences and Mm -hmm. wanted to like shift our own story. Yeah. um, Our parents start to see things differently because we're changing the way that it's been done. So like for you, like you saying like, no, something is not right. And I'm not just going to like keep going through this cycle, I'm going to change it. Like it's, yeah. it sounds like it's allowing your mom to at least pinpoint like, yes, something is not right. Right. That, not necessarily at the, at the point of like wanting or doing anything maybe, um, but at least recognizing like there, it can be different. Totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think a little bit like going back, like you wanting to do a home birth and, and all those things, what was your mom's response to that or how was she involved in if, or if she was involved in any of it? No, 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 that's a fair question. Um, she was, I mean, she, her and my dad ultimately, um, I don't want to say found out, but it's like, you know, I wasn't, uh, I'm not super, super like close with them. Mm. Um, and so, um, when 
like we don't talk very often and so like when they do get updates as to what's going on in my life it's like the just like it's already what's going on it's not like hey Got i'm it. thinking about like i don't involve them yeah. in the decision making process we don't have that kind of relationship and so when they like found out that like i was definitely having a home birth and like all everything was in motion and it wasn't like i was like what do you think of this i was just like oh this is what's happening Got it. i think it was met with um a combination of um so like it's so, I mean, whatever. It's a combination of like surprise and not surprise. Not yeah. surprise. They're just like, yeah, of course you would. You know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like you're always gonna like you like me. I've always done um, things that like they would never do, mm-hmm. like for whatever category. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's not like to rebel. Maybe it was when I was younger, but like <laughs> it's just like I, um, I've just always found myself making decisions that they were always just like, yeah, no, I would never make that decision. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. No, no, no. Yes. Yeah. So that was the surprise. That was like the, they're not surprised that I made the decision, but they were also, I think, I think they were scared. You know what I mean? Like I said, like my father's mother died while giving birth to him. My mom, um, she, you know, she had the experience she had. And so she's just like, why would you choose to birth mm. at home? It wasn't necessarily negative because they also know that like, I'm very much my own person and I'm mm. very independent and like what they say doesn't sway me <laughs> right? Uh, for better or worse. And so, um, I think it was just like this resigned, like, okay, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, you mentioned this a little bit and I, I, maybe I want to hit on your nursing journey, but that um, your son needed some cranial sacral work Mm -hmm. to help with that. Could you talk a little bit about that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, So luckily the, the midwife that um, I had used throughout my pregnancy, um, she also is a cranial sacral therapist. And so um, I was not, I was just like reaching out to her in all of our postpartum follow-up sessions. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. Like every other meal, he is just like completely vomiting it up, projectile vomiting it up. And, um, and so she was like, well, bring them in, you know, bring them in. I'll take a look. And like immediately, like in, you know, I don't know exactly all that that's entailed, um, with the diagnosis of it or whatever, but she was just like, oh yeah, his jaw is, is total like not, she wasn't like, oh, this is crazy. But she was yeah. like, oh, this is, she was like, I know what this is. It's his jaws misaligned makes total sense because of, ultimately being born with forceps Mm -hmm. um and so I think I want to say it was like maybe three sessions very gentle sessions I would like I could fall asleep watching her just very minimally manipulate his skull yeah Uh, really amazing to watch actually and he would just be so calm um and it almost looked like she was doing nothing but just holding his head but she would just do the slightest manipulations uh we were able to get him back on track awesome awesome yeah and I, I wanted you to hit on that a little bit because I think, um, you know, when we think about people who are trying to nurse that they're, mm-hmm. and we think about how our babies are delivered, sometimes we don't take in consideration that, that like, how that affects them and their jaws and their alignments. Yeah. Um, and that that can then be why we have some issues with nursing. Um, right. It kind of just goes like, oh, this journey is hard. And if people aren't able to see lactation consultants or counselors, oh, it's totally. like, Yes. Like, well, there's just a problem, so I'm going to be done with it. But then there, when we think about how maybe a baby was born, we can be identify like, oh, you had forceps or you pushed for a long time and that 
right. had some type of effect on baby being able to nurse. So I wanted to just bring that no, up. Absolutely, yeah. And like when she mentioned it, it was kind of like the moon thing where I was like, okay, <laughs> so, like his jaws misaligned. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense to me. But I was like being a little bit more open-minded just because I was like, well, you were right about that other thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been doing this a while. Um, yeah. And, so, and I had never heard of craniosacral therapy mm-hmm. um, when she suggested it. And so it did, it definitely was a little bit of a learning curve for um, me to get behind, but I figured it couldn't hurt. Um, you know what I mean? It couldn't hurt anything. Yeah. Also, like, yes, you're totally right. We were completely um, uh, privileged to be able to have uh, someone on our team who was like, who could identify that yeah. and like had access to her. And so that was great. Cause I do now that like, I've been in birth work for a number of years. Like I see so many people who are just struggling to like, a, have anyone listen to them mm-hmm. and B like have anyone, um, like just try different modalities instead of just being like, well, you know what, here's formula. Right. And like, I'm not bashing formula at all. Or like whether it's, you know, in this case, formula wouldn't have been um, a solution for it, but then just right. being like, you know, like, let's just laser the tongue or whatever, right. you know, right. it's like, right. Oh, that feels so invasive when like, sometimes it could just be a very simple fix, you right. know? Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and you said that you just recently fully stopped nursing is that was a, that definitely a, a led by him or like, how did that process all go for you? We did a whole dance for many <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like, I mean, at this, at this point, like the, the timeline feels so blurred, but Mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely hit a wall probably when he was like a year and a half, two years old, where I was like, you know, completely touched out. I was like, get off me. And I think it was less like actually, yeah, yeah, you do. Um, <laughs> less actually like the latching and the nursing itself, but it's like the pulling of the clothes, yes. and the hair, and like just the overall like twiddling because they're babies. But I'm like, the <laughs> yeah. of it all, you know, yes. like it's just so much pressure to like be needed so much and like so frequently. Um, and so I was just like, so over and I was getting angry and I was like, I can't be angry at a baby. Like, what am I doing? You know? Um, and so I, I was like, okay, I'm done. And so then I did some more crowdsourcing of my friends and was like, okay, for people who have like forced weaning. Cause I was like, I feel like he could nurse forever. Um, and like, clearly he could, he did. (laughs) And so (laughs) at the time I was just like, oh my God, there's no end in sight what do I do? Like, I can't just like not live with him anymore. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. And so ultimately, like I had heard enough people be like, I know it sounds crazy, but like, they're like, I put band-aids on my nipples. And I told, I told the baby that I told the kid that like, mommy has owies on her nipples and like, you know, kids are so sweet and they're like, oh my God, an owie? Like, right. You know? <laughs> like, and so I tried that and it worked immediately. And I was a little bit like, oh my God, this is too easy. And he was just like, oh my God, oh my God, Owies. He was like, dad, don't touch <laughs> Like, And he was like being really protective of me. And then I found myself within like 20 minutes being like, oh my God. And I looked him up and I was like, oh my God, I'm just kidding. Like, I'm all better <laughs> And I was just like, what the back? Like, what the Yeah, yeah. yeah. So long being like, get off me. And then when it works, you're just like, no, 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 you know? And so 
that's the dance that I'm talking about. And so, um, you know, that didn't last for very long. And then there were moments when he was about, I don't know, it was probably a year or so after that, he was like three, three and a half, where I could tell he was like a little over it. And he, you know, obviously wasn't exclusively nursing. Yeah, that, yeah. But like still, we, you know, to this day, we still co-sleep and everything. And so it's just something that he's always had access to. And for comfort reasons or whatever, and um, and because of like supply and demand and me just being having a really strong production, um, I was still producing way more than I wanted to at that point, three years yeah. postpartum. Um, and I was like, I just want my boobs to be like somewhat the same size again, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <and> I <laughs> just want to stop being a human pacifier. Right. And um, he was kind of like cooling off on it. And then there's probably like a couple weeks where like nothing happened. And then... Um, I don't know. It just like picked back up and it's just like this whole dance. Um, But like I noticed very, very recently, I was like, hey, I think it's been a while since you've nursed. Cause I mean, like he's like a full grown kid now. So like we're having conversations about it. Right. Right. Which is so weird. I'm like, (laughs) like, Lee, like, have you had mommy milk in a while? And he's like, you know what? I haven't. And he like walks over and just like, you know what I mean? He's like, let's give it a shot. And, like, and like, he's just so funny because he's like got his own personality now. And he's yeah. just, he's like, hey, yeah, I used to love this, didn't I? And I'm like, oh, yeah, what are you used to? Yeah. You know? and, we're like, <laughs> and I was like, I still got a couple drops. <laughs> and like, yeah, so like, we're done. Now it's like this joke where he's just like, nah, I don't want that. I don't want yeah. that. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Okay. <laughs> no, I really love hearing you like talk about the dance that it is. Um and how like we you know, you hit those phases of being like, I just wanna be done and then all of a sudden you're like, Wait, but I was kidding, I don't yeah, really wanna be like, done. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um but I love that he's now <laughs> like you can have a conversation right about it. Yeah. <laughs> I really do love that. And I don't think we hear enough stories about people who are nursing past a year and a half too. Um, And it happens for some, and some people want that. And some people are like able to do that dance. And I like, I wish we were having more conversations about that because it happens. Like totally happens. Um, My son may be one of those people. So (laughs) (laughs) might be calling you like, listen, like get the band-aids about those (laughs) band-aids right (laughs) um okay so let's talk a little bit about your photography when did that journey begin for you well so photography I mean like it's so hard I've been what I've been saying is like I've you know it's it's been over 15 years but like I it's so hard for me to put a an actual start date on it because for as long as I can remember honestly like since I was a child um I've been doing photography but I think like the first time I ever got paid for it was you know about 15 years ago and like from then I was like holy shit I can get paid for this you know what I mean and so like that's really all I've done save for a couple like very random temp jobs or bartending here or there um like my career has always been in photography um since since then and so um but it was really born out of this necessity to um figure out a way to as clearly as possible communicate with my mom um because of all of the barriers that i explained earlier 
you know, um, she was raised without language for so long, or she was raised, I shouldn't say without language, but she was raised without sign language mm -hmm. um, for so long. And so she was communicating just between written notes in Chinese, wow. um, back and forth with her family. Um, and then when she did ultimately learn sign language, when she was um, about 11 or 12, I don't know, it's like 11 or 12, um, she was learning at uh, the, like, it was at a very, um, beginner level. And so she really hasn't, you know, she, at this point has caught up, she's in her mid seventies, yeah. but it's like she, her acquisition of language was so delayed. Um, and I think when that happens, it's like, it's not just language, but it's like it, it's, it's like the ability to just communicate. Right. You know right. what I mean? Um, language is the vehicle, but like, to be able to actually communicate what's going on in your head um, in any way, like it was so, it was stifled for various reasons for so long. Yeah. Um, and so that's what she brought to, you know, our relationship when we were growing up. And so by the time I was born, um, me and my brother were born, like I was saying earlier, we were raised in an all deaf neighborhood, which are like there's little pockets of them all over America. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming all over the world too, but like I know of them in America. Yeah. Um, and so pretty much the majority of people in the neighborhood were deaf or had a deaf relative in the house. Um, and I was lucky enough to have a father who is hearing, but he understood, hey, ultimately my brother and I, who are both hearing, are growing up in a hearing world. We will learn how to speak. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? That won't be an issue. And he was like, but sign language, like, you know, we have to really be very intentional about it. So like yeah. in the house, we would like turn our voices off and we would be deaf in the house. Um, and it was full immersion. Um, and then on the weekends, we would all go to Gallaudet, which is the big deaf university in DC, mm -hmm. um, and all take American Sign Language classes together because American Sign Language is very different than Chinese Sign Language. Yeah. Chinese Sign Language is different than Taiwanese. My mom knows, knew both of those, but then when she came to the States, they were, like, unless she was, like, in Chinatown or something, um, or, like, around, like a, like, a large group of Chinese or Taiwanese deaf people, which was super rare to find in America, yeah. she couldn't, those languages were pointless. Um, and so her and my father were learning, and my brother and I were learning ASL all at the same time. And because yeah. my brother and I were so young, you know, kids' minds are like sponges. And the right. earlier they start language, the more advantage they have. And so my brother and I far surpassed my parents' influency of ASL. And my parents kind of hit a wall because my mom was in her late 30s, early 40s when she's trying to learn a whole new language. Yeah. Um, and so was my dad. And so um, they kind of hit a wall. And so, like, they're comfortable in American Sign Language. They can communicate with each other. Um, but if you were to, like, you know, if they were to be around, like, people in a largely ASL space, um, they would just not be able to communicate very, very completely, very fluently. Mm -hmm. Um, and so anyways, it's just like all, the languages are all over the place. Yeah. Also add to that, like, I can't read or write in Chinese. My mom can't read or write beyond like maybe a third grade level in English. And so that wasn't really an option either. The, the writing and everything. Yeah. And so, um, I felt very, um, stuck. I was just like, okay, my parents have their own, like, they're in love. They can, they'll, <laughs> right. they can help our communication. Right. You know, my dad would always say, and I would just like hard roll my eyes. My dad was like, you know, we have the language of love. And I was like, oh, oh, you know? <laughs> right. And like, I'm just like an angsty girl and I'm just like, just need to tell my mom what time I'll be home. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> 
like, how do I do it? And right. so, um, and cause my mom, like she worked out of the home and everything. And so all of that is to say, I, um, started, like, I would try to draw like little sketches, but like my drawing is awful. And so my mom would be like, what is this? And I'm like, forget it, forget it. And then, so I ultimately started taking Polaroids, um, because I was like, it is exact. It is like, it is yes. a little snapshot of what is going on. And I would set a Polaroid up on a timer, on a tripod, and I would just like storyboard myself wow. doing these things. Um, and so then when like she would come home after work and like I was doing things after school, like I could have like a whole storyboard on the table yes. of like, hey, I'm at my friend's house. And like, I'd be a picture of like me and my friend or me with a picture of my friend. Right. And I'm like, and I'm wearing this coat. And I already ate, here's my empty bowl. And I'll be home at this time. And I'd like change the time on the clock. Yeah. Um, and like, I'd be like doing like signs in the pictures. And so it could be like anywhere from, you know, two, three Polaroids to like a dozen of them basically storyboarding exactly what I was going to do. Yeah. And like the first time it happened, um, I came home and she was just like, hey, I knew exactly where you were. And I was like, whoa, it worked. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it felt yes. like we, like, cracked the code. And That's I was like, beautiful. oh, my God, it worked. Yeah. And so that became our language. We And wow. she, I mean, she wouldn't do it back because, like, that's not her style. <laughs> like, oh, you just communicate with me. She's like, right. I don't need to tell you where I'm going to be. You're right. And I'd be like, okay, sorry, mom. <laughs> um, right. Just like, yeah, you report to me. Like, so, right. Yeah. And so, um. Yeah. That was how I felt comfortable communicating with her, and that's how we kind of developed. And so it was really born out of just a need. Yeah. Um, and then, but then I just started getting generally curious about photography in general as like this tool to like communicate in this different way, in this more right. universal way. Right. Um, and how like you know because of being raised in deaf culture, body language is so important to me, and like eye contact is super important to me. And and so like I would see how people would communicate with each other in real life and in real time, and like documenting that. And I would freeze it and just like stare at photos. And I'd be like, I don't know. I would just try to like analyze photos. And yeah. it started start with what you know. And I was like, I was doing self portraiture, and then I was taking photos of my family. And then that turned into like, I was the girl, I was like, of my friends, I was the friend who was like into photography. Yeah. And so like, if people eventually had photo needs for whatever, they'd be like, oh, hey, so-and-so is having a birthday party. Can you take some pictures? I'd be like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, you know, I always babysat as a kid and like the parents would be like, oh, hey, can you take some pictures of the kids? Or I would ask, can I? Because I was like, let me try to build up a portfolio. Like whatever. Right, right. Um, just them as gifts. And like, it became something I really loved, but always the like, the, the heart of it was always like, hey, I want to like really this is like how I really connect with people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? In my own yeah. way. Yeah. Um, and so that's really how it all started. Oh, that's beautiful. Like, <laughs> hearing how, like, and I like I wish there it. was like a, like a picture of like you and your mom at that moment. Like, I know, I know. <laughs> no, I can totally see it. Yes. That's just, I love that. I love that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. But can you tell us about your mission and your work of Life's a Spectrum? Tell us a little bit yeah, about that. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, life is a spectrum. So I, um, I really try to um, 
you know, I really try to pride myself and have like the, the heart of my work, whatever it is, whether it's doula work or photo work, be like, it's very human centered. Hmm. Um, it's not for, you know, like, yes, if you, if you happen to like look objectively great in a photo, like, cool, that's a bonus. But like, I'm not interested in like posing you in a way where it's like you look a certain way. It's like, no, I'm interested in like capturing who you are, not what you look Mm -hmm. like or anything like that. And when it comes to doula work, it's like, I'm really interested in like supporting who you are in that moment. Because I do know that like day to day or year to year, like people can, people can change and like, um, experience can inform so much. And so, and I personally have just been through, I've been through a lot of trauma and a lot of phases in my life. And I'm very much not who I was five years ago, 10 years ago. And so like, but at the same time, like, I, like, I don't know, like, I I really believe that like people can contain multitudes. Like you can be so many different versions of yourself. Um, and still be true to who you are, you know what I mean? And so, like, I really want to um, support people. Ooh, bless you. You're okay. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I really want to, like, have people feel really seen and really heard and supported no matter where they are. And so in my doula, in my doula business, I support people in literally every aspect of life. And so that's been preconception, um, you know, maternity, birth, postpartum, miscarriage, abortion, um, terminal diagnosis. Um, and so that's where it really gets into like, it's not just birthing people and it's not just people with families. Like I've worked with like older men who have been, you know, diagnosed with cancer, you name Mm -hmm. it. Um, I've worked with children who have been diagnosed with like terminal illnesses. Um, I've also worked with people who have, um, lost a loved one due to, uh, freak accidents. You know what I mean? Yeah. So end of life is like, it's, it's when your life ends, it's like, it can end for many reasons. But the thing is, is like, everybody's born, everybody dies. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like those are two things that like a lot of people don't want to get into the nitty gritty of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You just want to talk about all the things that are in between. Exactly. Yep. Rainbows and butterflies. Specifically the high points of what are in between. And like, you know, I, I like, I think it all goes back to like the begin, the, the top and the, the, like the start and the end of the spectrum of it, Mm -hmm. which is like it's birth and it's death, Yeah, you know? And, and like how, how you come into this world is really important. How you leave this world is really important. And like how you treat yourself and people around you and the earth when you're on this earth is really important. Um, But also nobody's perfect, you know? And so, and things happen. And so like, I just really try to come with, to every client in every situation with really an open mind and an open heart. And I have been like so blown away at how many people have reached out to me and being like, can you document this? And I'm just like, whoa, like even me, who's someone who's like, I feel like I've seen it all. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, you want me to document like your dog dying? Let's do it. Yeah. Or yeah. you want me to document like your abortion? Let's do it. You know what I mean? And like, ultimately, it's none of my business what people do with these images. Um, But like the fact that like they, I don't know, they're interested in like really like fully experiencing it. Right. And like, and I can like, I, if I can help them in any of the processing of any of it in any way, like that's great. You know what I mean? 
Absolutely. Yes. Oh. So you have a current project that has evolved from your work. Can you tell us what you're exploring with that? I mean, you know, so obviously my, my doula business and kind of, you know, my photography business, um, as it's really presented in the last year or so is, you know, under this, this umbrella title of life's a spectrum. And, you know, that like what does that mean really you know like obviously you could think of like you know you you're born and you die and those are the two extremes in life um and so i've been really trying to think about just in like you know talking about my own business to people and explaining it um it's really about you know not just the the, the polar ends of life experiences it's about all the ways you get from point A to B to C to D. And like, maybe it's not that linear. Often it's point A to F and then back to B and all of that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, what I'm really curious in knowing about people is like, you know, what are, in terms of your life you've lived so far, what is your spectrum? And I like to leave it open. I like the idea of leaving it kind of open-ended like that, where it's like, you know, what's your spectrum of life experiences? What's your spectrum of emotions that you've experienced through these, um, through these, you know, peaks and troughs of various life transitions? Um, what's your, you know, how, what's the most extreme you'll go for XYZ cause, person, etc. Where, and then where do you hold your boundaries super firm? Mm -hmm. And I feel like what, allows us to like what informs those spectrums is like ultimately like what is your center mm -hmm. you know like um yeah. like who who are you and and what is it that's contributed to who you are you know because we all contain multitudes and a lot of times that can make us feel really at odds with our or with our own self you know you can you can you can hold these two or three or, you know, however many um, conflicting feelings, opinions about certain people, things, experiences, et cetera. And so like, what is it that brings you back to who you are? And ultimately like, who are you? Um, and so, you know, I've been really thinking about like, what is a good prompt for this series? Um, because, you know, a prompt is just helpful. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I thought about simply asking, like, you know, what was your childhood like, you know, but that doesn't sound as like, you know, snappy. And so really, I think I want to kind of leave it a bit open ended and say, like, you know, what's your center? And um, what is your spectrum? And so and leave it like that, leave it open to interpretation. You know, who, who and what and where do you come back to, whether that's your faith, whether that's a certain person, a certain environment, what is it that brings you back to, you know, your feeling of peace and, and wholeness? Um, and maybe in asking yourself that question, you'll, you might realize you don't have that. Maybe you don't feel like you have a center, you know? And so you're constantly just being thrown between this like whole spectrum of feelings and you can't you know, there's not really an eye of that, you know? Um, and so that is really what I'm curious in knowing about people, because I think that when you ask other people that it allows people to examine that question for themselves. And I think it's in that like unpacking of those questions. Um, you can kind of really, like you can kind of help reveal 
if that's something you're willing to go to, because you always have to be willing to go there wherever there is, you know? Um, It's willing to reveal like, you know, where did I come from and where am I going? You know, because like wherever you go, you're always there. And so like, who are you? Why, why are you? And so um, that's, that's really the project. (laughs) As vague and big as it is. (laughs) No, that sounds amazing. And then just even thinking about, um, like if, you know, you, you answering that question Mm. and pondering on it as you're moving through your life. And like you said, there's like sometimes a point B and C, and then you might go back to D and just how that might shift. Totally. Things in your life but yeah yes. <laughs> is there anything else that you want to share with listeners whether from your own experience um the work you're doing um with your photography the work as a jeweler just anything that you want to leave them with even oh, if gosh. yes anything <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah. Is there, let's see, you know, this could sound like a sales pitch, but I really don't mean it as a sales pitch at all. But I will say that like the feedback I hear time and time again, mostly from photo clients, because that's what I've been doing the longest. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have heard it from dual clients now that I've been doing that for almost a year now, officially, is that, um, you know, especially people who have like multiples in terms of children, Mm -hmm. they'll like, you know, if when they hire me in this situation, so say they hire me and it's like for their third baby and they're like, I know this is going to be my last child. Um, and like, they will say like, I so regret not having my first birds photographed or mm-hmm. maybe not even the birth, but like my first, like just like having the first go round or the second go round documented yeah. in any way, whether it's through yeah. maternity or just like family, baby photos, whatever. Um, they're just like, I so regret not doing that. Um, and like, Hey, I didn't do it either for mine. I try talk about being cocky. Like I (laughs) my own birth and I was just like 20 minutes into it. I was like, no, none of this is going the way I wanted it to go. Um, And so like, I get it. I totally get it where it's like, you know, it doesn't like priorities, priorities, you know what I mean? Um, but like, I just like, I hear it so much. People are just like, I so wish. And sometimes it takes some like years around, like I'll have people that I worked with and they'll be like, you know, I finally came around to looking at the photos that you took of me and my birth, like five years ago. And they're just like, and I, I couldn't bring myself to look at them then, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And they're like, but now I look at them and it's like one of my most prized possessions. Yeah. So I would say like, and I do know that like, Hey, like, I get it. These are investments and everything, but like, if you're able to like, consider it, consider yeah. it, even if it's something that like you immediately hear and you write it off, like just consider it. Um, it can help. It, I've, I've heard people say that it can be such a, like a way to help process their birth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and just like really, really own the moment or just to really just like look back and be like on a fact finding mission and be like, you know what? Like I, I was really beautiful when I was birthing yep. and I was like, you know, like I, I did, I did do that. A lot of people are like, they look back and they're like, I can't believe that I did that. Like I birthed a person and like they can see it and you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So whether it's me or anyone else you hire, like, I just think it's like, I don't know. There's something so powerful about, about having documentation of your life, you know? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Even yeah. if it's just like your partner or a friend in the room using their iPhone, like, right, right. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And if nobody else but you look at, looks at it, I don't know. There's just something really powerful about it. Yes. Not yeah. a sales pitch. Like that's the truth. Not a sales pitch. Not a sales pitch at all. Like, like you said, <laughs> yeah. documenting your life is so important and yeah. um, being able to also have something that like other people can look at. And totally. not other, it doesn't have to be other people, but like your family or like your children or yeah. whoever to be able to look at and be like, my person did that or, yeah. you know, um, so yes, yeah, so important. Yeah. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you thank so you. much for sharing your story <laughs> and giving <laughs> us your time. Um, um, you ditto. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com.